Running a business or being a creator, once you put something out there, it's no longer about you. It's about your audience. So the more that I think about how I'm serving my audience, the less that it's about me. You know, I'm not worried about validation. I don't need somebody to tell me that my art is good. I don't post so that people can give me validation. I post because, for one, I need to remain relevant, and two, I want to continue to to send my message. Basically, it's that like art is accessible to everyone, and whatever your obstacles are, you can overcome it. And like, I want I want people to feel inspired. I want people to feel good and to to play. That's my message. Because like, I I want to create the the messages that I wanted or that I, that I needed when I was younger like in those dark places. Check one, check two. We are live. Today's episode is with Kelly Marie, otherwise known as Kel- uh, Messy Ever After, as known on all the social medias and her blog and all of that jazz. I've known Kelly for about 16 years, and Kelly and I actually, Kelly was like the second girlfriend I ever had in my life, and we dated for a couple years, and Kelly broke up with me, and I was devastated. But that is a whole nother story. Uh, Kelly and I have been friends ever since, and we keep in touch. And I got to have the pleasure of watching Kelly's rise to social media fame. So we talk about how all that went down, talk about Kelly's art, her history with uh, depression and anxiety, and how she sort of navigated through that stuff uh, to get to where she is now and talk about how she interacts on social media and why why she's so um, open and generous and uh, cooperative, if you will. All right, so I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kelly. Uh, but before that, I want to mention a couple things, ways that you can support this podcast if you dig it. One way... Uh, you can go on my website, jacobgossel.com. You can scroll to the bottom, and there you will find a button that says PayPal, a button that says Venmo, or a button that says Amazon. You can donate via PayPal or, or Venmo, or you can click that Amazon link, and you can shop as if you normally would shop. I know it's just going to look like just an Amazon homepage, but trust me, click the link, buy whatever you want, I may or may not get a tiny percentage kickback. I'm not really sure about all that yet, but I'm experimenting with it, so we'll see. The other way is to go to patreon.com slash Jacob Gossel. G-O-S-S-E-L. Don't even know how to spell my own name. G-O-S-S-E-L. Patreon.com slash Jacob Gossel. There you can become a patron for as little as one buck per month. Nice thing is you get these podcasts right after I do them. I try to post them on there within a few hours after they're recorded. No intros, none of this mumbling, rambling garbage. Uh, Also, I'll give you sneak peeks of unreleased music that I'm working on. And there's going to be more cool things to come. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what yet, but there will be more perks, like maybe extra podcasts or, uh, you know, art-related things, whatever that might be. 
And that's an awesome way to help support the podcast. Uh, another way is to leave us a review and a rating on the Apple Podcast app. So if you use that, scroll down, you'll see those stars. Click the five stars, preferably, and then uh, leave a little review. Tell us what you think of the podcast, etc. But honestly, you don't have to do any of that. Just open your mind, listen to this podcast, really soak it in, and send some love to, to, to Kelly Marie. Kelly Marie. When I was on the airplane out here, I was seated next to a woman and her Mm 16-month-old, and this child was an absolute tornado. (laughs) And the middle seat was empty, so I'm next to the window, and this child just keeps, like, spinning and spinning and spinning and, like, grabbing my leg and touching me. And, (laughs) like, any time her mom would try to contain her, she'd just let out those, like, high-pitched squeals and, like, freak out. But I was actually in a really good mood and I had headphones in, so I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Nice. That's cool. But then the mom tried to open up a camelback that was full of milk, which oh, is just God. a terrible <laughs> idea. Do not put milk in a camelback on an airplane. And it literally sprayed across the cabin, like covered both oh rows. So like it went to the left first and then came over to me and splattered <laughs> my Kindle as I was watching <laughs> things. And all I could think was, please let this not be breast milk. Uh, that's what I was just going <laughs> to ask you. Do you think it was breast milk? <laughs> yeah. She was like, don't worry. It's just regular milk. I was going to open this up and have milk and cookies for her. I thought she'd like that. And I'm like, it's okay. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I have breast milk on my Kindle. I know. I was, I was hoping that even if it was breast milk, that she would lie. And Sure. Yeah. Just to ease everyone's mind. Because it kind of, comedically, it would have been hilarious. If it's breast milk. Yeah, like, to tell that story later, it would be mortifying (laughs) for her and disgusting for me, but, like, it would be perfect to tell people that I got splattered with some random lady's breast milk. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, that didn't come out of my tit. (laughs) Oh, yeah, so. That's great. Sticky milk. So, how long have we known each other? God, it's, it's been at least 16 years. 16 years. Yeah, it's insane to think that I've known you for 16 years. Over half my life. I'm bad at math. Because I'm going to be 30 this year. Okay. Yeah. That sounds right then. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, December 13th or mm-hmm. 6th. Okay, that's what I thought. I knew it was a teen. Part of me wanted to say 16th, but 13th. <laughs> I was right the first time. So. You were, yeah. Damn, I got it. Got it. It's been a long time. So 16 years. Um, and you were already doing art stuff when we met a little bit. Yeah. Drawing. I was, I mean, I, I drew on any surface that I could find, <laughs> especially in school. Like mm-hmm. all of my notes just had doodles all over the place. I don't even remember how I. Yeah, I know Brandon Boyd's art was a big inspiration, but was there any stuff before that? I mean, what were what kind of stuff were you making before you found his stuff? Oh, yeah. I 
I remember the first time that I actually wanted to get better at art. And it was in fourth grade. Mm. Uh, I had a best friend who just naturally could draw better than me. It's like mm. when you're a nine-year-old. I don't, it probably <laughs> looks like, it looks terrible now. But right. at that time, I was like, she can draw better than me. I don't like this feeling. <laughs> and <laughs> so I actually started to practice and I had a whole bunch of birds at that time so i would draw i had cockatiels and i would just spend hours staring at them and drawing drawing the birds yeah nice yeah it was like that was when i was seriously like i'm gonna become a good artist and then all throughout you know my teenage years i took every art class that i could but i can't even remember the stuff that i did of course there's no style it's pretty much just i'm gonna copy that plant or i've always sucked at that what like, do you mean? Like real life, like drawing something that I'm looking at. Oh. Terrible at it. Yeah, that, I had. I noticed I already had a style, like an illustrative style at the time. So everything that I drew was kind of cartoony. Mm-hmm. And it still is now. Like anytime that I do like a still life or, you know, try to draw a figure at all, there's always something really, I don't want to say immature or juvenile or anything, but it just feels like that innocent cartoony style yeah some sort of illustrative type of style to it yeah um and then i forget i know after high school you went to st cloud and you you went to college for a bit and i don't remember did you study art at all yeah so originally when i went to like my freshman year i went to the u of m and i decided to go into biochemistry because Mm -hmm. in my head in high school people would ask me like oh are you gonna go like be an artist, like go study art. And I was like, no, I don't want to be poor. Like this Mm. is a horrible idea. Why would I do this? So I set my sights on the sciences and thought, why is that? I mean, I did, I love science. Okay. You know, my senior year of high school, I was taking physics, advanced, uh, advanced bio calculus. Like I was, yeah, no, I like, (laughs) I was kind of an overachiever. I know. (laughs) I was like, I'm gonna do all the nerdy things that I can. I barely but then I, made it through advanced algebra. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Just terrible at that. That class was kind of a nightmare. <laughs> uh, but no, I like I loved the sciences, but then I loved art as well. So I would try to turn every project in every class into an art project. Mm. Like if there was any openness to the project, I was oh, like, yeah. I'm gonna find a way to draw something. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, in my head, I knew being an artist was a bad idea and (laughs) so I went for biochem but then after a semester I burned out because I was like oh no this is a really bad idea (laughs) I don't want to take organic chemistry and then I transferred to St. Cloud State and majored in art for like three semesters okay but then didn't enjoy the art program Mm -hmm. and switched to creative writing what didn't you like about the art program I didn't I didn't like the instructors that I had and how they tried to force you into the current mold sure. of the art world. You mm. know, they were all full-time practicing artists and mm. then, you know, they were adjunct faculty teaching part-time. So you can't help but push your own views of art sure. onto your students of yep. like, this is what people are doing now. This is what's edgy. And I actually had a I had an instructor tell me that beautiful art or pretty art or like for example art by norman rockwell Mm. she had said like this isn't art this is craft 
And that was when I I just kind of snapped because I was like, I want to make pretty things. Right. I don't want to discomfort people. I don't have a desire to make social commentary. Like I want to make things that soothe me or that I enjoy looking at. And Mm -hmm. she was like showing us resin cast shark guts and like the really extreme stuff. And I was like, this isn't this isn't my preference with art. Yeah. And I'm not going to waste my time taking these courses if I'm not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So I transferred and did creative writing and then trans- or I switched again and did psychology. So at the end of it, I ended up building my own bachelor's of elective studies. Mm. Cause I was like, I just want to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but I studied way too many things. So you did graduate from there then? I did, yeah. I, I officially have a, a bachelor's that is completely useless and just a mixed a hodgepodge yeah. of various things that's cool though yeah no i enjoyed it like it's all relevant to what i do now mm. like psychology creative writing and art i mean like for any sure of the blog posts that i write or any of the clients that i work with for consulting like well that's funny that those were kind of your three i mean you did it right in my eyes because a lot of people would say oh you fucked up you know because right. you should have stuck to one thing that was going to give you a great career in the end. But it's like, I don't know, man, in this day and age, it's like anybody can go to school for something and hate their life because they have a good job, (laughs) but that they don't like. I know. (laughs) But it's like, if you go and study things you're actually interested in, you know what I mean? You might find a unique life path that's actually satisfying and can also like inspire people and help other people. Yeah. I followed my curiosities and that hasn't failed me yet. <laughs> nice. Like, I, I don't know, life, you should enjoy everything that you're doing and you might have to be a little creative with how you set up your finances or mm-hmm. anything like that. Like the, the career choice that I have now, I don't have the, the expectation or I don't have the, the result that I expected in high school of I'm going to be poor. It's just you have to, you have to be way more intentional with everything that you do mm-hmm. and it's it's just a and you have to like discipline yourself i would yeah. imagine it requires a lot of learning how to discipline yourself yeah because it's easy to go to a job and have somebody else tell you <laughs> yeah, exactly. what to do like i'm you're held accountable by your manager or by the person who's signing your paycheck like if i don't get this done that person will be disappointed they're not going to pay me. Yeah. But when you are doing any independent freelance work or following a creative path, you you can't wake up and think like, well, nobody's telling me what to do. You yeah. have to be like, no, I'm telling you what to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's so hard. Like I've experienced, like there are plenty of things I could name that I know like, okay, if I do this, I don't know if I'm going to make money right away, but I know in the long run, it's going to make me money. But when you need money and you're like, Oh, so I'm just going to sit here and like draw a picture that nobody asked me to draw. Yeah, exactly. Just out of nowhere and hope that somebody's going to buy it and it's going to pay one of my bills. Like it's just, it feels kind of insane sometimes to, to like, but then if you don't discipline yourself to do that, then you end up sitting there spending the whole day thinking about it and then not doing it. Yeah. That's the hardest part. Like you when you have a boss telling you what to do, you already have a sense of purpose and you know this is going to lead to an end result. Yeah. But you have to assign your own purpose when when you're an artist or when you're doing anything creative because like, there's no certainty that it's actually going to produce <laughs> yeah. anything. You just have to be like, no, this is worth doing. Right. <laughs> like, yep. 
So that makes me think about your um, history with jobs and bosses. Tell me a bit about that. Oh, I am, I am at, at the same time, the best employee and the worst employee. <laughs> so when I was in my psychology courses, I learned that in organizational psychology, I'm what is referred to as a job hopper. Mm. I will like find a new job. This looks great. I'm going to be really ambitious. I learn everything. I'm a model employee. But then I get bored after mm. three months. And maybe I'll stick around for a couple more months after that. But mm -hmm. I'm likely planning where the exit is. <laughs> and I've done that with so many jobs. <laughs> like I've worked at a dog boarding place. I was a dental ceramicist. Mm. Uh, and I worked in the the model department of the same dental lab. Mm -hmm. They hired me a second time. Like <laughs> there was a break between and they hired me and I'm like, yeah, I only lasted six months the second time. Uh, yeah, and then I worked at uh, an IT company on a finance mm. team, which was actually the most that, like fascinating. Oh, really? I was yeah. gonna say that doesn't sound like your type of a deal there. It was, oh, it was, it was surprisingly the best because since I do love logical side of things mm -hmm. i love spreadsheets i love tracking data okay. I, like i oh i love it but yeah it, it only lasted a little over a year okay before i was like nah i'm good and that was my last job before becoming an artist so so what do you think it is about the jobs that uh those all those different jobs what did they have in common that like what you know what is it about a regular job that just didn't work out for you i couldn't follow my curiosity yeah you know, like I, I love to learn everything that I can about something, but then I can't help but find new ways to do things or, you know, what if we improved this or what if we did it this way mm. or, mm -hmm. you know, here's this new tool that we could use and most businesses don't appreciate <laughs> that type it's of like, thing. Hey now, come on. <laughs> it's more like, no, we just, we have, we hired you for a job. Just do that job. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but we could do this. <laughs> So then I just feel, I feel trapped mm -hmm. and like, I start to feel this kind of like anxious energy and just have to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. So you were doing, uh, while you were going to school, even not when you were studying as much art stuff, like you were painting and, and doing, participating in some fairs and different things throughout that time in, in St. Cloud, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in the art program, I fully decided that I wanted to be an artist. So it was 20, uh, 2010 that I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do art full time. I'm going to do the art circuit, uh, book art fairs, but I was also full-time student. So, you know, I did it for a few months, but after horrible sales and <laughs> not getting, uh, back what I put into it, mm -hmm. I got a little discouraged and that was when I had switched to creative writing. So I, okay. I think I expected too much too fast and mm -hmm. yeah, kind of sucked the life out of me in that yeah. moment because with, with art, you can't expect things to just happen overnight. Yeah. And I really thought like if I did steps, you know, one through five, that it would just immediately mean success. Like, sure. If I do this, go to these art fairs, <laughs> profit. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, St. Cloud's a pretty small, Yeah, you know, even in Minneapolis, I don't know, just from knowing, you know, my older brother uh, is a professional artist and 
you know, even being an established artist, there's not a ton of people like around Minneapolis and St. Paul that buy art, you know? Yeah. It's a tough market. People love art. Like the, the appreciation for viewing art and having art in our lives is definitely here. It's just, there's a sort of disconnect between I enjoy this. I want to own this. Yeah. You know, it's, you can, you can experience free art everywhere. So it's hard to be like, well, give me money for this piece. Well, and people <laughs> do like to have things, you know, in their uh, living spaces. Um, but, you know, it's really easy to just, like, buy one of those big pre-made canvases from Target or yeah. Ikea or something. Yeah, because it matches your color scheme. Right. <laughs> and you don't have to, like, uh, seek it out or talk about how much it costs with somebody or any, you know what I mean? It's just, you're in there to get pillows or whatever and mm-hmm. you see it and you're like, Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Well, that's not look good in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So St. Cloud. Um, so what, what, uh, where were you at when you, um, were going to be moving? Where were things with your art? I don't remember the timeline. When I was moving to California. Yeah. Uh, I, I had like started my momentum. Like I was, I had a pretty good following that was still growing. Uh, I, yeah, I was at a really good point. Like things were actually starting to look promising where I was like, Oh wait, no, I can be a full-time <laughs> things artist. Are working. Yeah. Okay. So let's rewind a little bit before that then. So when, when did things start to show signs of any type of shift any progress uh, yeah because you were you had been posting things and and doing stuff for for a little while there and it just kind of it seemed like the progress hap- started and s- gained momentum very quickly yeah it it blew up i i had quit my job at the IT company in october of 2016 okay and i had absolutely no idea what I was doing for a little less than a year. Mm-hmm. So it was like August of 2017. I finally was like on a good schedule. I like I had done a few events locally, but I didn't have much of a social media presence. You know, everything was just kind of stagnant until. Were you creating like consistently? I was. Yeah, I I was getting into the studio every day and like had a pretty good buildup of materials, but I hadn't really honed in on my style yet or, Mm -hmm. you know, what I wanted to be as an artist. But then in August of 2017, I started playing with fluid painting, Mm -hmm. which if you're on Instagram following any sort of art hashtag, you've probably seen the videos of people just dumping paint on canvases. Yeah. Like it's, it just blew up as this thing of like, this is how everybody can do art. Well, and it seemed like, you and I don't uh, think this was intentional. It seemed like probably just something that you wanted to try doing, but it seemed like you tried it at the perfect time. Yeah, it was it was popular enough where a lot of people wanted to get into it, but not so popular that it people were like, burnt out yeah, from it exactly. yet. And yeah, I I was just like, that looks fun. I'm gonna do that because as an artist, you you have to switch up what you do in the studio. You know, if you're just staring at something and really close to your work and I'm very illustrative in my style, like I love fine lining, I love 
being really close to my work. So mm -hmm. uh, experimenting with fluid painting was my way of kind of stepping back. And it was like a, a stress-free way of just creating something without thinking too much about it. Yeah, It was a really nice emotional release. And I like played with it for a little bit and then started to film time-lapse videos at the same time. And that is where everything shifted because <laughs> I started to upload the time-lapse videos and use you know all the right hashtags and a couple of big accounts started to share my videos mm. and you know there was one account that shared one of my fluid painting videos and i gained you know like a thousand followers within 24 hours yeah and that's insane. i was like whoa holy crap all right people are paying attention this is really cool like when mm -hmm. you when you pass your first thousand that's a pretty, that's oh, a pretty yeah, cool feeling. For sure. So I just continued down that path. I'm like, all right, this is working. I found something that, that is working. Yeah. And I got a little bored again because I do that a yeah. lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I started to introduce new things to the fluid painting. And I, I got an air compressor and started mm -hmm. blowing things around and being yeah. more intentional with what I was creating. Because as much as I love the practice of just letting chaos happen and you know just letting the paint do what it wants to, I also wanted to mess with the paint and do like For make sure. it do what I wanted it to do. Yep. And I just went from there and kept filming time-lapse videos consistently. I was putting out at least one time-lapse video a day mm. and those were just consistently being shared by different accounts. And within three months I went from 300 followers on Instagram to 22,000 followers on Instagram. God. Yeah. I remember watching that happen, you know, because I think we had just kind of started talking a little bit more like right before it kind of happened and so I was like just paying more attention to what you were doing in the first place. And I just remember like talking to you while that stuff was going on. And you're just like, yeah, it's crazy. They just keep pouring in. <laughs> like, Whoa. Yeah, it's insane because in my eyes, I was like, I'm not doing anything spectacular. You right. know, I, I didn't have this idea of, yeah, my art is incredible and you should be watching what I'm doing. And I deserve all of this. For me, it was like, whoa, I need to just keep this momentum going as long as possible because it's going to disappear at some point. They're going to realize this right. isn't like... And in fact, it's been the opposite of that. Um, but something that I wanted to uh, say was, um, was there at all a feeling of like, uh, I don't know, this is maybe going to come across in a, in a way that I don't want it to, but was there at all a feeling of like, oh man, I spent all this time doing all these like, you know, more like illustrative work and like all this stuff that takes so much time and so much effort and nobody gave a shit. <laughs> and then I pour something on a canvas and everybody's like freaking out and following me. Oh yeah. It felt, it felt really, really funny to be <laughs> honest, because when I was in art classes, I was really annoyed by <laughs> like my classmates that would do something that I knew took them five minutes yeah. and they would get like A's on the project. And the professor was like, yeah, this is, oh, this is deep. Oh, you like, you see this movement over here. This is really dynamic. Like I really enjoy this. And I like saw the kid making it, you know, right before the critique. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I just spent like a, a crap ton of time on this and yeah, like, oh, this, this sucks. So I was frustrated in school, but then I was laughing when Instagram started to turn around and like I was profiting off of the same type of activity yeah. where I'm like this thing that didn't take me that long and I wasn't very intentional about it was suddenly being like paid attention to. And yeah. it just felt, I was laughing. And was, I'm sure you've, um, 
kind of recognize that there's obviously something more to it yes. because anybody can do it and there are plenty of people doing it and so what do you think uh is different about both what you're doing physic what you were doing physically with the fluid painting but also like where you were at uh and this maybe you don't have much thoughts on this but you know what was going on like energetically with you to like open up this you know, to allow that type of, like, abundance of following and, and uh, activity into your life. Uh, yeah, so first I want to say that I don't want to discount the the skill and the preparation that goes into that type of painting, you know, because there are a lot of artists that are very successful doing it, and, yeah. you know, it's it might not take that long, it might look like it's easy, it might not even be within the control of the artist, but there's still there's still inherent value that goes into it. So I want to make sure that I for sure like, say that, but at the same time, there's, um, there's a sense of freedom that comes with that sort of practice. Like, yes, anybody can do fluid art. And I, I encourage that. Like I, I share all of my supplies and, yep. uh, make sure that I can like help other people do this because it is, therapeutic and it's this sort of emotional release because I think one of the biggest problems that I had as an artist and I, I stood in my own way many times because I was way too judgmental and critical of my work. I, you know, would stop myself from finishing something because I would evaluate everything and mm -hmm. nitpick and compare it to everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, what's the point of me even finishing this? If this person over here is already doing it 10 times yep, better. Totally. So there was this emotional shift, shift with me at this time where I, I started to just have fun mm. and do what just felt enjoyable to me. Mm. You know, I'm not the type of person that wants to like torture myself over my craft. Like I, <laughs> I want to enjoy the process. That's why I create because it is, yeah. it's a wonderful experience. And at that time, I was really just playing. I was allowing myself because I, I hit a, I was in a rut at that time because I'm like, nothing's working. You know, I've been, I've been doing this for months and I'm still not seeing the progress that I want to. Yeah. Like, did I make the, the wrong choice? Like, should I start looking for a job soon? And, and so I just had this moment of, no, I'm just, I'm just going to play. And was it kind of like a fuck it? Yeah. A little, yeah. <laughs> like a I'm trying bit. so hard and it's not working. So I'm just going to like yeah, do whatever I let's want. Let's just have fun. Yeah, and sweet. that was where it all shifted because when you when you can show your audience that you're having fun, mm. I felt like that pulled people in mm. because I became on social media, this source of inspiration and just carefree attitude of like, this didn't go the way that I wanted, but Hey, this is fun. You can play with an air compressor and do this. And anytime that people would ask me questions about the supplies I was using, I like, I responded to every comment that I got. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, I noticed that for sure. <laughs> And you still, I mean, I don't know if you do everyone because it's probably a little insane, but it seems you're still extremely active. I do. I try. Yeah. Because I, I, I always feel if somebody's going to take the time to interact with me, I, I at least want to go through and like the comment or respond because the sense of community can be amazing. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I experienced such a wonderful shift during that time that I wanted other people to be able to experience the same thing. That's cool. Whether they were already artists or just wanted to get into art for the first time, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what it became about for me was 
Like, let's let's have fun. <laughs> so there's like two things about the way that uh, you kind of uh, do your social media thing that you just mentioned. One of them, I don't know if you even realized, uh, you, you said kind of, oh, this didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but here I had fun or whatever. So that's one thing that I'd noticed that I really appreciate and that I noticed it is sort of a trend with uh, cool people in general and something that I really have begun to value is like people putting out, um, not trying to pretend that everything's just all positive all the time. Like I'm tired of, I'm going to post an inspirational photo with some saying on it because I have everything figured out because it just feels like, I don't know. It just doesn't do much for me. It's just like, we, none of us have it figured out. And when I, I find so much more value in somebody saying like, you know, I woke up today and I felt like shit and I wonder <laughs> <laughs> what is it all for? And I thought about killing myself and I decided not to. And it's like, oh, sweet. I felt like that too. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's <clears throat> so much more to connect to. Right. Like I, I think a lot of people are catching on to this now of actually being authentic and showing mm. up. Like there is, there is a, uh, what's the right word? You know, there, there are two camps right now with social media where you've got the ones who just desperately want to connect with people and yeah. be themselves. And sometimes they're maybe approaching it in the wrong way, but they're, they want to connect with others. And then you mm-hmm. have the other people who want to engineer yeah. a life. Right. And like, this yes. is the life that I want to have. And it feels, it feels empty. It feels unreachable and it's hard to connect to. Yeah. And I think I, I have made an intentional choice to make sure that I am being as authentic as I, as mm-hmm. I can be. Like mm-hmm. I, of course I like prune and like, I don't share everything for sure, but I, I don't like go put on makeup to pose for a picture. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, try to make things as, as real as I can on my social media and, and just well, connect with and people. And to me that it's like, I understand if people want to make their photos look good. That's right. Yeah, because that's just that's what we want to see. Is, is it needs nice to be attractive? Photos. Like, but we it's have the to. writing. You know, it's yeah. the way you express what's really going on with you as a, as a human being, and it just helps give people permission to both then share for themselves mm-hmm. with other people, but also just to feel like, hey, it's not so weird that I feel like this, or even this person that I view uh, as having success and like, I'm idolizing them like or whatever uh they feel like this too like yeah getting that success having a hundred thousand followers doesn't make your life perfect right you know what i mean yeah and i've had that reaction consistently from from my followers over time like i'm i'm at about a hundred and hundred and twenty one thousand followers now and i will still share you know I, I will be vulnerable i always make sure that I have a positive spin on something. Like I don't share my vulnerabilities unless I have a solution for it or unless sure. I can provide hope at the end of it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, cause I've experienced a lot of dark things like depression and anxiety. And yeah. like, there are a lot of really dark moments in my life, but mm-hmm. I try to share, like I've experienced this and I can, I'm on the other side now right. and like to try to give hope to people. But consistently when I express those vulnerable moments, I will have people who are telling me, yes, I feel the same way. I can't believe you feel this way. Like, thank you for sharing this. Mm. It's so validating to have somebody 
in my position say like you can you can be a mess of a person like <laughs> yeah. like you can you can have all of your flaws or the things that you think are flaws and still chase your dreams you yeah. don't have to have it all figured out you just have to do one day at a time yeah. and i always try to give people that impression because like once i was able to get that into my head that's the only reason why i've been able to get this far because mm. you know two and a half years ago i was in a really deep depressive state mm -hmm. and art saved me nice like i i don't want to deny people that opportunity by being inauthentic and by being like yeah i know it's oh, fine i've always had it figured yeah. out yeah i'm it, just here because i'm like different than you. i mean yeah i'm here because i'm really good at this i'm awesome and it's like no i'm here because i've just done this every day i'm not right. any better put in the work yeah and... than the artists out there like i look at a lot of artists with you know less social media engagement than me and i think you deserve so much like you are awesome like yeah. social engagement and your following has absolutely no bearing on your your skills as an artist or your quality of art yeah i agree not to take anything away there is something meaningful about having such a following it means something for sure like there's a reason why people are so attracted to it and so but yeah i agree with you that just because you don't have a following, it's not an indication of some lack of skill or quality yeah. or intention in your work. Um, but yeah, that's, I feel like one of the reasons why uh, sort of the m mainstream style of social media is contributing to things like depression and stuff because there is, uh, like the other style of using it, like you were saying, is this projection of like my life is different than yours you know what i mean like and we have a tendency to feel like that like project the best our best ideas of some perfect life onto some person yeah that we see on social media and think like well they're just in that position because they're like special they're different and yeah. i can never be like that maybe you know? they had a perfect childhood maybe they didn't have any drama in their life exactly. maybe they had more money or more opportunities or which all those things yes could be true all those things could be true but they could still be like completely unhappy and not grateful for you know or yeah. it could be just fake like maybe their life isn't as great as what they're pretending it is you know yeah it's, it's like social media is just a, a giant story anybody's profile is just the story that we want to tell people and sometimes mm -hmm. we're telling fiction sometimes we're writing a memoir you yeah. know like so your your version seems to be like it, it's real but it's artful you know what i mean it's yeah. still a quality of like in, i'm intentionally making it creative and artistic and like fun but there's enough like of your true your truth in there that i feel like that's one of the reasons why people are so attracted to what you're doing yeah i share i share enough truth that like it is real like people will message me and be like you seem you seem really real like i don't know <laughs> if that's true but you seem really real i'm like yeah no that's that's me <laughs> like yeah, i exist like i'm not it's like when you meet somebody for the first time, you don't dump your entire life story on them if you ever want to sure. see that person again. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so like for me, social media is my way of like introducing myself to people and, you know, gaining new friends. Like I, I try to use it as, you know, an interview of you do show your best parts of yourself. You craft yeah. an identity no matter what, you know, even this conversation that we're having, I'm choosing to 
moderate <laughs> like right. everything in my head i'm like okay i'm gonna say i'm not gonna say this that's, no that would sound bad like oh no that oh don't did yeah. i just say something bad here like mm-hmm. you're constantly trying to figure out who you are and create your identity mm. and through my social media i was able to actually find confidence in my identity and and, mm. and build build the person that i think that i am or the person <laughs> that i want that i want to be that i have the ability to be right and then I get feedback from people and it's what we do in conversation. So like, I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not, I'm just trying to like put the best parts of myself out there and then, you know, keep tweaking it. And then as I do this, I grow as a person too. Cause I'm like, Oh no, that felt really good. Like sharing that felt awesome. I'm going to do more of that. Like it's, mm. it's a really, it's a really cool thing when you can actually find a community and bond with people. Like I'm, I'm an introvert. So I, do not like being in large groups of people. Hmm. I will like be nervous sweating anytime that somebody is like, Hey, you want to come hang out with me? And I've never done that before. You know, like my, my safe place is, you know, with one or two people that I've known for a while. For sure. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. So (laughs) through social media, I've been able to actually like maintain my, my comfort zone and still expand my circle. So yeah, for me, it's completely, cool. it's completely genuine. Mm-hmm. Like everything that I put out there, it's as if I'm making friends with people and I've, you know, made friends with people around the world. You know, I've got people from Australia that I'll like get on WhatsApp with and That's have a conversation sweet. with them. That's awesome. Like it's, it can be something that brings us together. For sure. But you know, when you view the inauthentic sort of fake versions of social, social media, it's, it can be depressing mm-hmm. <laughs> at times because you're like, I'm never going to have that life. But it's not like it's some new, I mean, the social media is a new thing, but it's not like that idea is a new thing. I mean, that's no. been in magazines and TV and just how people present themselves to each other in real life forever. So it's it's just a tool like anything else. It's like an amplification of something that's already there. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like almost like a magnifying glass or something. Like if something is it's magnifying both parts about, you know, social interaction or reality. But before I forget, the second part about how you interact, (laughs) I somehow hung on to that thread. I'm proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, Is, uh, which I think is very unique and a lot of people don't want to do this. And I understand why, so I I don't criticize anybody that doesn't do this, but I just think it's cool and it's different. And, uh, it's thought provoking is the is the sharing of all your techniques, how you do everything, what materials you use, posting other people's attempts at copying your work, uh, sharing everybody else's work that uses your your hashtag. And I mean, I know there are. I'm not accusing you of this, but obviously, this helps to spread your. You know, oh, you can accuse me of it because it's, <laughs> it's know intentional. I there is those like, <laughs> self-serving aspects to yeah. it. But, and maybe there are no altruistic aspects to it. And if there aren't, then you can just <laughs> take the headphones off and walk out right now. But I'm just kidding. But um, it seems like there is some, uh, at least some percentage of you wanting to just be uh like you said encouraging to other people that they can do it to kind of take away some of that separation between like i'm a special artist and you're just a regular piece of shit you know like 
so I have I have a lot of thoughts on this. Okay. Because um, I am I am very intentional with sharing other people's work and sharing my techniques, and I there there are some there are benefits for me. Mm-hmm. Like there definitely are. Like yeah. it's a smart business decision. But at the <laughs> same time, I think back to when I was learning how to draw, and you know, especially when I was getting really into it as a teen, and I copied all of Brandon Boyd's work. Oh yeah. Like you, you watched me copy. Yeah, <laughs> like, I did the same thing. <laughs> like I remember. That's the, how I learned to draw. The white fluffy clouds book. I went through that and like everything that I could draw, I would copy it. You know, that's what I would do during lunch in high school. Yeah. Um, and I just think we, as artists, we mimic other people and we, before social media, we're able to copy and do this without consequence. And we were able to show it to our friends and be like, look at this. Like, yeah, it wasn't mine. I didn't like conceptualize this. I didn't create the original image. But as we are growing, we still want to be proud of our ability to mimic. Like Mm -hmm. I was able to recreate this thing from somebody that I admire. It, It gives you that sense of encouragement that, oh, I can do this. I respect this person. Can I, can I eventually get there someday? And you you have to copy the masters. You have to copy. Yeah. And now people are people have such ownership over what they're doing. And like I've watched, uh, like, bust out the popcorn drama moments mm-hmm. on social media, like Instagram. I've watched some feuds happen where one artist just completely blasted this younger artist for copying their mm. work. Like it was the younger artist posted it tagged the artist said this was a recreation of this Mm. gave credit like they gave credit and this artist just completely annihilated them dang and they were like i didn't give you permission to do this you can't copy this this is my work and i watched her following drop a couple Mm. hundred that day because people were like i can't believe you're being so cruel this person idolizes you and you just tore them to shreds totally that's brutal so she she did correct it later you know she felt bad she realized that she you know had a gut reaction but you know i i watched that and of course i'm like well i don't want that to happen to me um but then there's also the like the memories that i have of copying other artists i'm like i could have been that kid totally i could have been that kid that was just completely shot down by the artists that they respected and and for people that are self-taught um and obviously, you know, I'm sure people who go go to school, they're learning from their teachers who that art is coming from somewhere too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like just because you were taught from an art book or something, it's still a recreation of somebody else's copying. art unless you're literally just, you've never seen art and you're just drawing things that you're seeing in real life. But like, I, that's how I've learned everything that I've done. You know, like yeah. music is just from copying other musicians that I like. Might maybe not even exact direct copy. Like I've never really learned a lot of people's stuff, but just like, hey, why do I like this? Oh, they're doing that thing. Oh, cool. I'm gonna do that. Yeah. And it's it's just sort of a transitory phase, you know, because you use it to learn techniques, and then eventually, it's not like your goal is to want to make the exact thing that somebody else is making. No, not at all. It's just you don't have your own sense of style yet, your own identity. Mm -hmm. So you use you try on other people's work to see how it fits. Right. And then the more you try on different artists, 
the more you figure out who you are. Yep. Like that's just it's the feedback that you get. Like, oh, this I don't I didn't like this. Yeah. Like it feels weird or like, oh, I really enjoyed this style, but sometimes we have physical limitations where we can't recreate it and right. no matter how hard we try to break out of what we naturally do, we can't. And that's kind of where your natural style comes from. So the yeah. more you copy, the more you layer on these different techniques and ideas and it's like have you read the book steal like an artist no you should sounds cool <laughs> because it, it basically says this like if you are if you're a creative person you take ideas from other people but mm -hmm. then you manipulate it so many times and add different elements from you know everything in your life until it it appears original but it's still a collage of everything else that you've experienced so if you're only experienced or if you're only looking at one artist and copying their work, then yeah, you're going to, you're going to piss somebody off yeah. because like you can't, you can't do that. You have to copy a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> well, and to like bring it back to Incubus, uh, because I think, you know, a lot of the people, you know, you find this out if you like listen to interviews or just like try to somehow find people that you look up to talking about their inspirations. It's like Incubus, I remember them saying they were trying to be like, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Mr. Bungle, and Primus or something yeah. like all rolled into one. And you can feel it too. Like yeah, their for sure. Stuff. In their early <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And it's like, okay, they were trying to do that, but they were failing in a way. But the failure is not a failure. It's just like it's you're attracted are. to a style and you try it. And of course, you're not going to be able to recreate it because you're not that per You're mm -hmm. not those people. And then that's where your uniqueness comes from is like, that, yeah, it just Your comes. It just copying. comes out naturally. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Your failure, basically. Um. Uh. Yeah. So. So what I think is so cool about the uh, your openness with the sharing other people's work, copying you, all that stuff, uh, sharing your materials. It does really serve multiple purposes, and I think that's cool. That like that's what I like about it because if you get big picture with it, it's like that's what we need to do. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but that's what like humanity needs to do as a whole. Because yeah. you see, like this self-serving, uh, protected, individualistic form of capitalism that we have. Where it's like, and not just capitalism as far as the economic system, but in every facet of life, it seems like the pervasive sort of uh, tendency for a long time has been, I need to get this thing and I need to protect it because if I don't get it, um, first of all, like, nobody else is going to give it to me or like if other people get it, then I can't have it. You know, it's just a scarcity mentality. Yeah. Basically. Scarcity as opposed to abundance. Exactly. And that's where, that's where I've come from. So for me, naturally I like being a nice person. I <laughs> avoid confrontation. I don't like being mean. Like sure. if I say something that could even be misinterpreted as mean, I'm going to dwell on it for like five years. <laughs> like the other night I was laying there and I couldn't sleep. And I was thinking about something I had said like eight years ago, literally <laughs> dwelling on it. So I, I just have this mindset of I'm going to be as kind and as encouraging as I can be mm. so that I don't have to think about this eight years from now. <laughs> and yeah. dwell on it. But 
with that, I, I want people to feel encouraged to do things. And right when people started asking me about the materials that I used, I was open about it right away. And mm -hmm. I didn't have anything to gain at that moment other than, you know, the satisfaction of seeing other people create. And I, I knew that I wanted to continue doing that, but I, I, you know, I wanted to make a business out of this. So I kept thinking of ways that I could monetize this. Like, how can I monetize my kindness? <laughs> like yeah. by default, I'm kind, but how can I make smart business decisions by doing this? Yeah. Because there is that idea of, you know, like this is, this is mine. If other people do this, then... I'm jeopardizing my ability yeah, to yeah. capitalize on this. Yeah, my art sales will decrease if other people start copying what I do and selling that. Like, then right. there's no demand for my work. Right. And I decided that I didn't want to be concerned with that because, again, since I get bored so easily and move on, I know that my style is going to change. Mm -hmm. Like, I jump around from so many different things that, you know, if I'm working with more geometric lines one week, I'm probably going to be doing something completely different within, you know, a month or two. Mm -hmm. So I'm confident that I'm going to continue evolving. So if I teach you one thing today, I'll have another thing to teach you sure. <laughs> like in the future. And with the idea of monetizing my kindness, then I started to think about just the smart ways of, okay, well, if I'm sharing my materials, let's do affiliate links through my, my website. Mm -hmm. So like if you're, if you're purchasing the materials that I, that I use genuinely love through the links on my website, then I'm going to earn a commission off of that. Yeah. So I don't see it as, well, I'm taking away from my art sales. I'm seeing it as, well, now I'm just stepping into a different role. Now I'm teaching you and I can make money off of that. Mm -hmm. And same with social media. One of the questions I get asked most often is how, how can I, how can I do this? How did you get so many followers? Right. And so I started to do consulting sessions with other artists mm -hmm. because like I don't take any satisfaction in having more followers than another artist that does something similar to me. Mm -hmm. For me, it's more like, no, you can do this too. I'll mm. show you how. Right. <laughs> and so then I started to, you know, charge for those sessions. Yeah. So yeah, it just, you're able to be more creative with how you can bring in income. So instead of just depending on art sales, I now depend on, ads for my website and affiliate link purchases and consulting income. And then as my following continues to grow, then I can work on social media campaigns and be mm -hmm. like get influencer income. Sure. So like what some people see as like me giving away my, <laughs> right. all of my secrets, I yeah. see it as, well, no, now I've just laid an even more like stable foundation for my art business of, I have income coming in from all of these different avenues. And the biggest thing is, like you said, that I share artists that use my messy ever ever hash me bleh, <laughs> messy ever after hashtag. Yeah, I build my brand recognition. So even if an artist is copying what I do and sharing that, they're tagging me. Yeah, they're saying this was inspired by me, mm -hmm. and and it creates people want to come follow you and want to post things involving you because they know that you'll share it. And, and I will like cheer them on too. Yeah, and they're <laughs> excited about being, you know, shared and yeah, it's just very cool. And it, I think the cool thing about it is not, well, one of the cool things about it is not that it's like, okay, now if you do this style, that means that it's going to, you know, make your business aspect not as good or mm -hmm. you're not going to be supported financially. It's like, no, the, it seems counterintuitive, but actually 
it works out better in the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, I just think it's a cool, a very cool thing in general. Um, it makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> like as a person, I, yeah, I don't want to engage in a competition with other artists. Yeah. You know, we're all trying to make a living doing this and we all have our dreams. And rather than coming at it from that scarcity standpoint, I fully come at it with abundance of there's enough success for all of us. Sure. And me helping you is not going to take away from the success that I have in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the biggest thing overall. And once you have that mentality, you just operate within the world with a little more ease. Yeah. You know, like yeah. nobody's out to get you. Nobody's out to threaten yeah, your business. For sure. Like yeah. we're all just trying to do our thing. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. Like the, the, you know, what you talked about, the, the fluid stuff kind of helped you bust out. But then, you know, I think, it's nice how you've been able to explore so much different stuff since then and kind of expand and reincorporate things that you were doing like pre-fluid art, mm-hmm. but in a sort of a 2.0 sort of way. And it's just nice because the recognition and the following you were able to get through your initial experimentation with the fluid art it becomes obvious that it's like, well, it's not like it was just some fad thing that you blew up. It's like, no, there's, did it help validate your past experiences with art and realize that it's like, oh, it's not that what I was doing wasn't uh, great to begin with. It's just that I didn't have the uh, avenue to really like show people what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? Or not, not that, not, not the avenue, but you just didn't have the audience back then. You know what I mean? Uh, I think it was it was a little more than that for me. You know, when I decided to become a little more carefree with what I was doing, I realized that I was not presenting myself the way that I should. Mm. You know, I since I was in such a dark place, I've learned that I uh, was a bit needy mm. <laughs> with, you know, craving social validation from anybody that I showed my art to, you know, I yep. wanted them to tell me that my art was worth <laughs> something like, look yeah. at this. Is it cool? Do you want to buy it? <laughs> like, right. I actually wrote a blog post on this of, you know, are you asking too much of your audience? Yeah, that was a good one. Very good. And, I thought. and that was like, that was my biggest mistake is that I was, I was operating under the assumption that, you know, my art was good enough to get attention that like, I didn't need to offer anything else. Like here's my painting look at it, give me money. Right. And what I learned through social media was that I get more engagement, I get more attention when I present myself as the creator, when I share the process, when I involve other people, when I give more than I'm getting. Mm. And that that is what I was doing wrong mm. in the beginning because I wasn't developing my brand, I wasn't figuring out what my voice was or my message, like I just wanted to make things and... How did you come to that realization? It was, a lot of it was working with other artists as well to help them with their social media because I was starting to see all of the mistakes that I had made mm. with more clarity mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, oh, you're doing a thing that I was doing. Okay, let's <laughs> let's figure out, yeah, no, you need to do it this way. Like, sure. ask questions, involve your audience and just, 
give more. So do you feel like you just started doing it differently naturally because you're of your growth and then you look back and realized the differences? Yeah, yeah. Because since so many people were asking me questions, like when I was posting those videos, that was way more engaging than a photo and here's how much it is. Sure. You know, like I wasn't posting story inventory. I was posting entertainment on its own. Yep. And inspiring people. So that was me giving them something. And then the more that they would ask me questions, the more I would continue to give and For sure. like teach them. So I was like, oh, okay, no, this is, yeah, this is a better way of doing it. Like, don't mm -hmm. just, don't just post a, you know, still photo of your art sure. and tell them what the specs are and then expect, <laughs> yeah. expect a conversation. And it's like, yeah, that can work sometimes for sometimes. people. Yeah. If there are people out there that for whatever reason it, it, it works, but uh, I have noticed that tons of people, not just artists, like that's just a common theme in general. It's like people want, they want that energy of the person. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I need with any friendship. Like I want to know, I want to know like, childhood <laughs> right. and like everything about you that's how i determine whether or not i'm going to like engage further in a relationship <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, for sure yeah once people start to see things and you know read about you and things that they can relate to it's like then they're invested you know they want to see what you say next or what else yeah, like feel connected to yeah, you yeah for sure um which feels so weird for me again since i'm introverted and i i don't like being the center of attention that is a really, it was a hard thing for me to, to adjust to. You basically just went to exactly what I wanted <laughs> to ask you next. It was like, I know myself and I have very small social media uh, followings for like the podcast and art and music or whatever. And just being in at times where like, it feels like maybe something is starting to happen and I imagine what it would be like to have a bunch of attention. Like I can feel a sense of anxiety about it and just like a bit of like what I imagine it might feel like potentially overwhelming aspects of just like, Oh, now there's this, all this attention on what I'm doing and I have to sort of like uh, show up for it and like be responsible for who I am. Yeah, it's... Is that a thing? So I, one of my friends actually asked me this a couple of days ago of like, do you feel more uh, like more anxiety now posting? Like since your audience is so big, do you, is it harder to post things? Like do you, do you criticize it more or like stress over it more? And I'm like, I had to think about it where I'm like, no, it's, it's less stressful. As my following grows, it's less and less stressful for me to put content out there because you get like it feels I've I've created an identity that is a little bit separate from me. Like sure. Messy Ever After is my persona as an artist mm. and I'm able to still hide behind the art in a way. Like when, if you look at my social media, I don't present myself as a, like physically my body in the photos mm -hmm. as often. I mean, there's maybe like one or two photos every, like every nine photos. Right. So I'm still able to Come hide behind clean. it. That's an exact ratio, right? You got it. It's, it's about, I'm just yeah. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there's a little more, uh, sometimes I go months without showing my face. Somebody started referring to me with, male pronouns and I was like oh no 
no, I'm a girl. Okay, no, I should probably <laughs> present myself a little bit more. Like, let's flesh out this identity. But it's, it feels, it feels natural because I've been able to separate myself from what people expect from me because like running, running a business or being a creator, once you put something out there, it's no longer about you. It's about your audience. Mm. So the more that I think about how I'm serving my audience, the less that it's about me. You mm. know, I'm not worried about validation. I don't need somebody to tell me that my art is good. I don't post so that people can give me validation. I post because for one, I need to remain relevant. And mm -hmm. two, I want to continue to, to send my message. Sure. And it just, it, it's disconnected from me. Yeah. Like it feels, it feels weird, but yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, 100% my identity. That I makes feel, sense. Yeah. I've created something else. Yeah. Sort of a, just a little buffer zone. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your message? Basically it's that like art is accessible to everyone and like whatever your obstacles are, you can overcome it. And mm. like, I want, I want people to feel inspired. I want people to feel good and to, to play. Yeah. And that's, that's my message. Cause like, I, I want to create the, the messages that I wanted or that I, that I needed when I was sure. younger, like in those dark places. That's cool. That's cool. That's like exactly what uh, my motivation for doing the podcast is. Like what would younger me want to hear? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like what did I did I hear that really helped me? And it's like, well, you know, these things have helped me or I've learned these things throughout the years. It's like if I'm not putting that back out for somebody else that's where I was a few years back, then it's like, I don't know, it's kind of a shame, isn't it? It feels selfish to be like, oh, I figured it out. This is mine now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, good luck, everyone. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, whenever I learn something or or you know figure out how to you know continue to grow my following, I'm like, you guys, do it this way. Try it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's just it's more fun. Like when everybody can be built up together and experience all those good things. Like I, I don't like seeing people suffer. I, even looking back at like Facebook memories whenever they pop up mm -hmm. and I'll have statuses pop up from like 2010 me. And I'm like, Oh, you poor, 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 miserable little thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I feel for past me. And anytime that I encounter somebody who is like that, I'm just like, here's all the things, here's all the things that I did. Yeah, for sure. You don't have to be like past me. Not that people can always like integrate those things right no. away, but no, it's at least out there for when somebody's ready. Yeah, because you, you have to you have to be ready for it. Yeah, exactly. Like, or else it just won't connect with you. You know. No, like I'm not seeking out people who are, you know, having a tough time and being like, "Here's how you can change this." It's all sure. within your control. It's yeah. more like, are you at that point of being ready to, to make a change? Because change is painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like starting the podcast is that's sort of where I've been at is realizing, you know, I think there are various things that uh, pieces of uh, information or um, whatever that I'd stumbled across that have helped me in life. And that sort of spurred this motivation to like share that stuff. And then once I kind of started it, I was immediately surprised by how much like just insecurity and like uh just challenging feelings all around from like 
you're stepping out of your comfort zone. Like you should just go back to not saying anything. <laughs> like don't put yourself out there. This is stupid. You don't know shit. But that's sort of where I'm at right now is like, obviously I'm going to share things that maybe sound like I have something figured out or, you know yeah. what I mean? Because whatever, I've got it. I've got to just like, uh, not th- overthink it too much, but at the same time, like a big part of what I'm sort of coming to, uh, feel is like, I don't know. I just got to share the, the parts that don't seem that cool. Like let people know that I don't have it figured out. Like, you know what I mean? Because the people that I've heard like mention, like I just had the guitar player from Circus Survive, Colin Frangicetto or whatever, talk to him. And he told this story about when he first started getting into art, how he felt like such a fraud because you know, he was a musician and yeah. he, he felt like the only reason he was getting attention was because he was uh, in Circus Survive. And he told this story on a podcast about how he busted his ass for his first solo show, like worked so hard for, for weeks. And then like in the middle of the show with all his friends and family and like artists he respect and it was like this big successful thing. He just got like super duper depressed Aww. and like went out to his car his car and like cried in his car and stuff and it was like for me that was more like valuable to hear something like that than like hey i've got it figured out if you just do what i did you'll yeah. you know what i mean I, yeah. was, I was just like damn if a guy i look up to can feel something like that then like that makes me feel like i just got to keep doing what i'm doing because you know that's just normal human experiences. Yeah. I, I, I see so much value in that. And I, I must admit that I, I don't, I don't share as much about the vulnerabilities that I'm currently experiencing just because for one, I don't want to burden my audience. I don't want to call (laughs) to them to, uh, to like come to me because I want to make sure that I'm giving and that I'm not, um, like being a drain at all. I'm not saying that anybody who does share that is being a drain. I know what you're saying. Yeah, you don't like, want to make it like, hey, give me like all this make positive me feel feedback. Good. Yeah, right. yeah. Because like I, I know from all of the internal work that I've done that any of the progress that I've made had to be done solo. You know, sure. like yeah. so I, I tend to like become really introspective and and just go kind of into hibernation until I can come out of it with some sort of solution or message but sure but i i do admit that like even right now at my level i i have imposter syndrome <laughs> yeah. i i i wouldn't i wouldn't call myself a fine artist or like an artist that would fit into a gallery scene like i kind sure. of know my place of like any time that i think about doing a solo show i'm like no that's not like i'm not that no, that's not me. <laughs> like I don't belong there. And that's me kind of getting in my own way, but it is still, you know, I have to go through that internal work still sure. of like no, you're going to you're going to make art and even now like I I don't think my art is all that spectacular. <laughs> but I have since I've disconnected my art from myself, like built that whole identity, I'm more like, well, it's not really up to me to decide. So like, I'll kind of go through that in the morning of like, oh, this is garbage. This is horrible. Oh, that shit. <laughs> like, yeah. like I have those moments and then I'm like, whatever, I got to keep putting stuff out there. And yeah. so like I have these micro moments of, of struggle that I, 
process and go through and I should share more. I'm of so that. glad you said that. That's perfect. If we, just because like, you know, I think we all, a lot of us have an illusion that there's some point that you get to where those you things don't. go away. No. And it's like, that's not the point. The point isn't to get to some destination where your insecurities and your doubts and your fears and your depression and all that stuff goes away, whether it's in art or in life in general. And here I am talking like I have an answer, <laughs> but I certainly don't. But it feels like more of what we're after is, or what we should be after maybe, is uh, just understanding that those things are transitory. You know, they come and they go, they're little visitors, but that underneath it, there is a uh, sort of an uh, invulnerable awareness that is capable of just experiencing like peace and joy. I think, I, I think you need to give yourself a little more credit because I think you have figured it out a bit. <laughs> because we can't, we can't like solve it. We can't eradicate the internal critic. We can't, right. uh, like we can't get rid of it completely because it's there for a reason. So one thing that I've done is to figure out what the, what the purpose of that internal critic is. Yeah. And it's to keep me safe. It's to keep me from taking a risk. That's what Brad Yates was just talking about. <laughs> I mean, there are Dude. these common themes. We just, you know, word it differently. Ser- no, it wasn't even <laughs> worded was differently. That was literally exact. He says, uh, he kept saying it. What was it? He said, your um, self-sabotage is misguided self-love. Yeah. Because it's you're so showing love to yourself by trying to protect yes. yourself from things that you view as dangerous. Yeah, because it is... It, there is a risk. There will always be a risk with... Like for you, if you had some big fine art solo show at a respected gallery, that's a risk because you might really get in touch with that imposter syndrome and yeah. feel devastated. Somebody might tell me that I'm not a fine artist. Right. <laughs> They'll validate that. <laughs> right. Or I won't make any sales or... Right. You know, like there are all of these risks. So like figuring out how to keep your your goal in mind and to make sure that you're the one driving and not your critic Mm. like you're the one driving not your your dreamer like you have to listen to all of these voices and different perspectives inside of you and then make a decision from there so for the longest time i let my my pessimist and my internal critic take the reins where i'm like like yeah i'm gonna listen to you i do suck (laughs) and like that kept me from moving forward Mm -hmm. so now it's more like i look at it all like put it all out on the table and see like okay yeah here's where i could fail here's here's where i think my flaws are but here's where it could go really awesome mm. here are the possible like really cool outcomes and then like okay now i'm gonna do it <laughs> like you just have to like listen to those voices and realize that none of them have the truth so it seems like maybe a theme in your life in general that sort of helped you get to where you are right now, both in art and just emotionally, is a certain sense of detachment from like the constant flow of thoughts and yeah. emotions that ride their way through your consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's all about stepping back, and I've been able to observe my my emotions a lot more because I'm a highly emotional person, and <laughs> I used to just like 
jump onto each emotion as they happen. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be super pissed right now. Oh, I'm going to go cry. And like, I'm hungry. <laughs> and like, I would just like ride each one and gleefully like go through the ups and downs. Add a bunch of extra juice to them. Yeah. And- yeah. And then start drinking coffee and like nervous sweat the whole time I'm doing it. You know, like, right. I, I wasn't allowing myself to, to take control. And then mm. once I realized that I did have complete control after a lot of painful life situations that made me go, Oh, I can't keep, I can't keep living like this. I can't keep, you know, giving into the, the sadness when it comes up, mm-hmm. you know, I had to just stand back and watch each emotion happen and be like, it's going to, it's going to run its course. But mm-hmm. if I feed into it, if I start, like if I start to feel sad or depressed and then I start to search for the reason why I'm there, then I just dive down deeper. That's not me taking control. That's me trying to validate the feeling or explain it away or, right. you know, like I'm not experiencing it. I'm right. You're trying to intellectualize it or something in a roundabout way. You're trying to protect yourself from it by while also dumping fuel on the yeah, fire. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So now, you know, through my art, that has allowed me to disconnect even more. Like, like I said, the identity that I've created through my social media has allowed me to watch that happen as well. So I can just show up and do the work and not punish myself if it doesn't go well. And I don't congratulate myself too much if it goes. That's awesome. Yeah. Like I'm just kind of here like, all right, what's going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> That's great. I mean, and I think that is both makes your, your, path and your success sustainable because you're not swept up in the winds of whether things are going well or not. But also I think that's part of why you probably got the success you have because you started to focus on just putting one foot in front of the other and showing up and doing the stuff. Yeah. Do you know Stephen Pressfield's work? I don't. You don't need it (laughs) because it sounds like you already know it, but, uh, he's a great author. He's got a, a few books like, uh, the War of Art and... Um, oh, some... Uh, who just told me to read that? My um, my future mother-in-law, mm. I think. Well, she don't know what she's talking about because it sounds like you basically already have it down. So, But it's still cool. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to check it out, it's cool. But um, Do the Work is literally one of the names of his book. Going Pro. But basically, almost all of it is about, like, you have a calling in life... And if you don't follow it, you're basically like going to destroy yourself. I think that's why I was a job hopper. Yeah. (laughs) And then also like once the following it isn't, you know, if you really want to follow it, it's about following it just for the purpose of doing what you're supposed to do in your life or what you feel called to do. It's not about any type of measure of success or, you know, uh, validation or whatever. And that the more you just sort of, take away the pedestalizing of like some outcome or goal or what people think. And the more you just show up and just do what you're supposed to do every day, day in and day out. It's like, that's kind of the point of it. Yeah. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that (laughs) (laughs) because I, I would like, I guess I'm lucky that I happened upon that naturally because I do feel so out of place. If I'm in the spotlight, Mm. I like, when I'm in social situations and somebody's paying attention to me, I will like start to wonder why and then think, <laughs> no, this is wrong. And then I'll most likely start to turn red 
and not make eye contact because I'm like, you're not supposed to be staring at me. This isn't, no, somebody over there is more interesting than me, I swear. (laughs) So like by default, I just don't, I don't allow myself to, to really be like, yeah, yeah, just I'm revel awesome. in the spotlight. Yeah, bro. yeah, because like even the social media success, it's been like, no, I was just, I guess, right place, right time. You know, like right. I put in the work, but it, again, it's not because my art is awesome. <laughs> like I no. like what I do. I love, I love what I do. But if you were to compare it to other other artists, you know, it's not, it's not like it's anything that should win awards or like. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure there's some awards out there. I'm, that, I'm sure because it's all. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Though. I think you're going on the pretty modest side of the spectrum, but I definitely get what you're saying. And I agree. It's like, it's the whole package. Yeah. You know, and the consistency, not just consistency in posting. Like, I don't think everybody needs to feel like they got to like constantly be posting something, but the consistency in your end of the bargain of just like, even if you weren't posting every day, you're showing up every day and just doing. Yeah, that's that's how I doing show your, up and do the work. And and for people who aren't even on social media or their like thing doesn't really apply to that medium, it's just like it feels like that's sort of the main thing is just showing up and uh, practicing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have <clears throat> you have to. You know, I I remember when I was younger, I wanted everything to happen now. I wanted to be good at something now. I wanted success now. You know, I'd start an entry-level job and I'd be like, no, but I have the skills of that guy, so I want his (laughs) salary now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there is a sense of impatience and I I never felt content with where I was at because there was always something else that I was looking at in the distance and that that tripped me up so many times because I... I wasn't able to enjoy anything. So now that I am just focusing on what can I do today, I'm actually able to relax and enjoy life. That's awesome. And God, that feels really nice after over a decade (laughs) of being deeply depressed. (laughs) Well, it doesn't seem like a surprise to me that you're sort of, uh, you're blowing up on social media and your success in your art career and also your... um, increased amount of peace and contentment with life coincided with each other because it it does seem like a lot of what we are doing or or a lot of like our urges and desires about what we think we want are actually like kind of part of what's holding us back from getting what we want in a way because it's like we're separating ourselves like I'm looking at this thing in the future that I really want because I think it's going to make me happy, but I'm not good enough, so I can't get it right now. So, so I, can't I be need happy. to just try so hard to get it or otherwise, yeah. And so it's like once you address the yourself and sort of get in touch with your everyday experience of life, and then it's like either you'll get the thing and you'll be able to enjoy it because you're content with yourself or you won't get it and that's fine because, and you probably won't care and maybe you'll want to go down a different path and you'll realize that wasn't even important to you in the first place or whatever yeah like assigning value to something that might happen and assuming that it will save you from whatever state you're in now is that is the biggest mistake that i made for so long mm. because i thought if i if i had a stable job and i had a good income i'd be happy if i you know had everything figured out I'd be happy if I had this sort of relationship I'd be happy you know I was always Mm -hmm. thinking I need to get this and then I'll stop feeling like there's this big 
void inside of me. And it wasn't until I started to like fill that void with the present moment that Mm. I was able to actually be like, oh no, the success in the future means nothing to my happiness right now. Like I I don't have to be successful to be content. And like that, it takes so much pressure off. Like it gives yourself permission to just enjoy right now. Like I, I don't know what's going to happen with my art. Like I have no idea. Like maybe people will stop buying things and (laughs) that doesn't scare me because I'm thinking, well, I'll, I'll figure it something out. Like I'll adapt. I'll cross that bridge when the time comes. Yeah. And you know, I don't have my sights set on anything too crazy. Like there's nothing that I have in my mind right now that I'll be like, Oh, once I get this, then is there some, is there something though? Not like, Oh, I have that goals. You're, yeah. 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 I, I definitely have goals because any you would like to share. Well, just out of curiosity. I have, <laughs> since I love spreadsheets so much, I have like math goals. Like I do this really dorky thing where I like, I have this morning ritual where like I'll drink tea or coffee and I will input numbers into my spreadsheet. So I always like to see like, all right, how many Instagram followers did I gain in the last 24 hours? And I've been filling in this spreadsheet since September of 2017. Can you help me like learn that personality style? Because <laughs> I, I feel like I need some of that in me. So it's... That sounds like just brutal to me. It's at the core of who I am. The Even with my art style, I have this thing where I have to create chaos and then organize it. Mm. So mm-hmm. all throughout my life, I just have to like either see chaos, witness it, and then rearrange it and make it, you know, make mm. sense. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, with my art style of doing colorful backgrounds that are really abstract, like I start with that and then I start picking out the natural flow and like here's where my line work can go and here's like oh this sure. needs to be geometric no this is this is more of an organic flow and yeah. that's how I am with spreadsheets too where <laughs> I'm just taking this thing that I really can't control that I just want to witness and then organize it and then make charts and graphs and look at it later nice so I have I have a goal of reaching 200,000 followers and I have it like plotted out because I know like on average I gain this many followers a day and I just like to see progress. It's not yeah. like a once I get there, then I'll have more success. It'll sure. be like once I get there, then I get there and that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So that's one of them. And then, gosh, I they kind of change a lot. But I, obviously I just want to keep like increasing my income and have more stability as an artist because this is still fairly new, like in for terms sure. of like starting your own business and making money like there's still a lot of instability so for sure i want to you know strengthen that and figure that out so the gallery thing i'm just curious about it because of how you feel about it do you, i have shows booked you do <laughs> I okay do. <laughs> sweet and so you do feel because i know you said like oh that's that's not for me or whatever i but, feel but really out do, of place but you do feel like there's something kind of calling you to like just go there or even just to face the insecurity or the fear and just go for it. Yeah. Try it out. I am, I torture myself a bit as an introvert where even though I dread social interactions, I continue to put myself in those situations. (laughs) Uh, You know, like a couple months ago I taught a workshop. I mean, it was only like 15 people, but it was still like me teaching a workshop on Instagram for artists and it's misery while I'm doing it because I'm, 
it's just not my comfort zone, but I still continue to push and do that. And I, I can't help but take advantage of the opportunities that are presented because, right. you know, when you, when you see the world with abundance, then all of these things pop up and you're like, oh, well, it's there. That means it presented itself for a reason. I mean, I should maybe do that. Yep, so I think you're right. I've had the, the shows that I'm doing have actually been people who have approached me through Instagram. So mm. I'm not seeking them out. I'm sure. not looking for calls calls for art. It's more like, hey, we saw your art on Instagram. Do you want to come Then you're display? like, ah, shit. Can't I know. Say no. <laughs> I know. I'm like, uh, the, the universe knows that I want things. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say no. Yeah. So yeah, I have, uh, I have a show booked at a library in California, and then I have another one at a brewery in uh, Encinitas in October. So I'm... Very cool. Just kind of, I'm accepting the challenge as it comes up. I think it's good. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, I don't know. There's something good about going into discomfort, I think. Yeah. No, it's really important. And lucky for me, I'm uncomfortable in most situations. (laughs) So I've gotten a little bit used to it. Yeah. So I'm just like, all right, I'm going to be exhausted after this. Let's make sure that I have ibuprofen and water. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wanted to ask you about, um, so before all this art stuff started going crazy, you were in this deep depression, and I know that you've experienced stuff like that in the past. What sort of stuff did you do, like any types of whatever, dietary change, you know, techniques, books you read, videos, like anything that helped you kind of like... I tried so many things. So, I yeah, I tried changing my diet. I tried yoga, exercising more, you Mm -hmm. know, cardio. I tried switching schools. I tried moving to different places. I tried to control my environment. Uh, You know, I'd surround myself with positive people as opposed to negative people. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I tried everything except for changing my own behavior. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I was on antidepressants in high school for yep. a little while. I've been on anti-anxiety meds, uh, naturopathic remedies. Yep. Yeah, all of it. But what really helped me was when I focused on gratitude mm. and actually recognizing the dysfunctional behaviors that I had learned Mm. because my depression stemmed from, you know, family difficulties and, you know, just events that had happened. So I wasn't like, I don't want to say like naturally depressed or, you know, like, yeah, there was, there was a catalyst. Yeah. And I, I would have, I probably would have been fine for a while had that not happened, but you know, I wasn't equipped to handle stress. I wasn't, I didn't know, I didn't have the tools to, to handle things. So then Mm -hmm. when my mind would go crazy and when my, I'd let my internal critic tell me that I was worthless or that I wasn't smart enough or I wasn't successful enough or Mm -hmm. pretty enough or skinny enough or anything like that. Like I started to internalize all of these things and I thought I thought if I could control my environment, then it wouldn't trigger those thoughts. Sure. But you yeah. can't you can't control everything in your life. No. You have to start inside. So yeah, I started to focus on 
on gratitude and actually training my mind to only enforce the the positive trains of thought was there anything or anyone that helped like inspire that change of approach or did it just come out of like desperation or both (laughs) (laughs) it was actually my my current fiance and uh, his his mom Mm. that had helped me because you know when different personalities mesh Mm -hmm. interesting things can happen (laughs) so You know, he has a very logical personality and I have a very emotional personality. Mm -hmm. So by our like default settings interacting, it caused a lot of friction in my mind and it caused me to react in ways that I hadn't reacted before. And I just became even more emotional. And luckily his mom is like the most wonderful person ever. (laughs) And is super intuitive and is an empath like me and she was able to like share a lot of the tips that she's used in her life and very cool both of them they focus on gratitude they're such positive Mm -hmm. wonderful people and they do come from abundance where you know it's believe the best intentions in people and be thankful for everything that you have and so i i had started this practice of every night i would lie in bed and just have this list i'd go through of everything i was thankful for and I didn't feel it at the time because, you know, I, I had noticed that my my mind was comfortable with misery. Mm. My mind felt safe and and content within those. Well, I don't want to say content, but it felt it felt familiar yeah. to be miserable. It was like had, your identity. Yeah, I had been I had been that way for so long that. I understood negative thoughts so well. I understood like uh, like it, it would almost feel good to be like, yes, I'm in my my safe dark place. God, it's weird. It's just no, it's not weird. It's it's I totally get it, and I'm the only reason I reacted like that is because I feel like it's just a crazy experience that I talked to Brad right before <laughs> you, and it's like the same exact stuff, dude. You'll have to go back and listen to Brad. Oh, definitely. Going Once to. I put it out, it's gonna blow your mind because it's like, oh wow, I'm like just doing the same conversation twice in a row and that's sweet that's hilarious. it's a different thing but yeah. it's like very much but it's really validating to know that we all go through this it is yeah and like there is a way out like like we are unique people but we do experience the same patterns and mm-hmm. we have to break free of those patterns so the more the more that i focused on positive thoughts like the negative thoughts were still there the depression was still there but i was able to at least take control and say i'm not going to reinforce those thoughts kind of like fake it till you make it a little bit to some extent yeah like it's it's just you know not giving the attention to it because i i always did approach my depression with intellect and logic and thought i can think my way out of this (laughs) like i can find a solution and i like would just ruminate on my depression and try to figure out like well what caused this well what can i do what can i change Mm -hmm. and I had absolutely no idea that that was... like picking a scab. Yeah. Like you feel like you're being productive. You feel like this is is a move forward, but it's actually just setting you back. So once I... Right. It's getting infected. Yeah. All that nasty. Like even though you're doing something, you're (laughs) you're (laughs) self-sabotaging. If you just let your body do what it wants to do, it will heal itself. Yeah. Naturally, appropriately. Yeah. So I had to, I had to go through that work of, you know, with my, my practice of gratitude, it was... I'm going to focus on this. And in focusing on that, I prevented myself from ruminating. Mm -hmm. So I was either in this state of silence in my brain of like, I'd have a negative thought come up and I'd be like, no, I'm just, no, 
no. <laughs> like I'd, I'd ha- catch it and be like, no. <laughs> uh, and then because those negative thoughts are so persistent, that's when I would be like, okay, well now gratitude. Like, let's just like turn up the good music really loud. <laughs> yeah. And like now I can't hear the other stuff. But the, the initial part I feel like is the real key is just the awareness. Yeah. Because when you're stuck in that cycle, you don't even really think about it like that. Like you can be completely no. unaware that you're just, you know, participating in these like negative feedback loops. Oh, because when you surround yourself with people who allow you to do that, mm-hmm. like until somebody kind of shakes your shoulders and tells mm-hmm. you like, no, stop it. You're doing this. It's really hard to see it. And my fiance actually was the one that did that to me. Like it was this really like now I find it this beautiful moment. Like I was miserable when it was happening, but it was like 2 a.m. I was bawling my eyes out. Just, I don't even know what I was freaking out about. doesn't even like, (laughs) there are a lot of things in my life that I've had a breakdown over. But I remember him wanting to help me. And like, he's, this isn't how he thinks. He's not familiar with being depressed and being Mm -hmm. in that. And like, that was great for me, (laughs) like in the long run, because he, he looked at me, he's like, tell me something you're grateful for. And I remember looking at him and my first reaction was, Fuck you, you dude. yeah, you motherfucker. <laughs> oh, like I'm miserable right now. And I, I'm here in this moment. Right. Don't take me out of this moment. And it wasn't until a couple months later where I was like, oh no, I was happy. Like I was, I wanted to be there. Mm. You know, I was miserable and I wanted to be out of it, but I I actually wanted to be there. Yeah, you were attached to it. Yeah, and I wasn't able to come up with something that I was grateful for because I didn't want to be grateful for something. Yeah, mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, so in any relationship, you have those moments where you have to be like, you were right, I'm (laughs) sorry. for sure, (laughs) yeah. But it's just, it's funny how those those little things, like once you are presented with the, the need to change it becomes an opportunity to change and mm. before in my life i used to run away from those opportunities same here i'm still doing it yeah it's hard <laughs> it's really hard you know like when i when i left the u of m from the biochem program i was miserable and so i'm like well let me switch schools let mm. me switch majors that's gonna make me happy right and you know in a certain extent you have to yeah there's a balance there it's yeah like, you have to find an environment you don't that's want to avoid the change but you don't want to change all the time just because you think it's going to fix something either. Yeah. So I just kept doing that. I'd get restless. I'd change, change my environment, get restless, change my environment. Mm. And yeah, I'm the opposite. Really? Yeah. It's just like, Oh, this thing works. So I'll just stick with this forever. (laughs) Life is like, come on, it's time to take the next step. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Until I'm just absolutely forced. Like, okay, dude, it's, beyond time yeah like you've you've overstayed your welcome let's yeah that's that's my deal but it's it's hard like i talking about it now and telling people like oh yeah just be grateful think happy thoughts sure like it can sound really simple and i remember my mom used to say that to me in high school when i was depressed she's like just just think happy thoughts (laughs) i'm like mom i can't i can't (laughs) do that that's not that's not a helpful no no bless her heart Nice thing to say, obviously, but yeah, it just doesn't work. But now I was like, oh, no, mom, you were right. Because when you boil it down, in essence, it is just think happy thoughts. I think to some extent, it's like that um, my younger brother uh, got this cool insight 
from someone once. And it's a popular saying, but it's something. It's the old the the little tale about the um the bat the wolf, evil wolf and the good wolf or whatever. Yeah. And it's a story about them having a war, and it's like, well, which one wins? It's like the one you feed or whatever. I'm totally butchering <laughs> that story. <laughs> but the but idea yeah. is basically like your attention, your energy is, you know, feeding whatever you're putting it into. Mm-hmm. So. And I was, I was putting a lot of energy into staying in the same state, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I've been thinking about that a lot and why it's so challenging to change. And if you think about it um, from just the, an idea of identity and like what gives us our identity like who are we really mm-hmm. and it's like well we're not our name and we're not you know our clothes and we're not our cells and we're not you know you can keep breaking it down and it's like well what are we yeah. really and so it's like a lot of our de- identity just comes from you know programming who we were told we are by our peers and our family and i'm sure you know i don't know much about neuroscience but i'm sure like neural pathways and like the consistency of them is part of how we we identify ourselves you know yeah and so it's like changing automatically requires you to like rewire your brain in a different way and you're kind of going against the grain of like what your friends and family and society and your own beliefs about who you're supposed to be you're like going against all of it and so it can be very like, basically, you feel like you're losing your identity. Like you don't know who you are. You don't know where you're going. One day you feel like things are on a on the right track. The next day you're like, where is this all headed? Oh, yes. I've had so many conflicts with my sense of identity. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, I feel like that's natural, though, where you continue to see yourself in a different light, you know, the more people that you meet, the more you see yourself reflected back and Mm. see a different aspect of yourself. And it's important to get those different experiences and to let your identity evolve. Yeah. Because loosen the grip a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I had a really hard time with being around people because I wanted to control how they saw me. I wanted them to see me a certain way. Like I, Oh, school was miserable for me because since I don't like attention, I wanted to control the attention that I got. But mm. instead, like I would get picked on for <laughs> uh, like <laughs> like in school when I was called Chewbacca for being a little bit fuzzy because of my <laughs> heritage. Like I have like arm hair and mm. I, I, I didn't like that because that wasn't the image that I was controlling. So, sure. you know, you, you try to hide parts of yourself that you don't want to expose and then like present the other parts it's mm-hmm. it's such a strange thing but yeah you see different different aspects of your identity the more people you meet <laughs> totally yeah and uh yeah i think um what you were talking about a lot with um just sort of like recognizing these thought patterns and stuff i had this thought yesterday i was taking a walk and i it sounds like a pretentious thing to think. It just popped into my head and I questioned like, is that true? I just had this, this thought came in that was like, there's nothing more transformative than non-judgmental awareness. And maybe somebody said that already. I don't know, but it just popped into my mind and I thought, you know what? 
Go with it. That seems like (laughs) there's something to that. Because it's just like with the changing or with the depression or any of it, it's just like, first of all, if you're not aware of it, then what are you going to do? You're just in the cycle. It's not like a choice or anything. But once you're aware of it, it's not that you really, in a lot of cases, I don't think you need to try to change it. You can't punish yourself for it. Yeah. Like that's where it gets a little bit dangerous. Like Mm -hmm. you become aware and then you have a choice of, well, do I what do I do with it then? Yeah. The instinct is to be very judgmental. Yeah. And like, harsh. Oh, like I'm, I'm failing. I'm mm-hmm. screwing up. I'm not, I'm not perfect. And, but I, in, in doing that, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in this situation because this is what feels safe to me. And now that I've realized it, I, now I'm going to beat the shit out of myself internally because I find myself in this situation that I think I'm not supposed to be in. Right? It's like, like, how did I get here in the first place? I failed somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's like a lose-lose situation. And so... But if you start yeah. to see it as just another opportunity to, to move forward, like I... With me saying that I don't find my art being... Like, I don't think my art is the greatest. Like, that's in no way me looking down on myself or judging it. Like, I'm not... I'm not trying to assess the value of my art or like punishing myself thinking like, Oh, I need to be better at this or Mm -hmm. I need to do something differently. It's more of my way of just being like, I'm just going to enjoy this. And like, I see room for improvement and I'm going to go down that path, but I'm okay right now. Mm -hmm. I can still accept myself with the, the moment that I'm in right now and the, the progress that I have made. And yeah, once you can get to that gentle point of just, seeing the good and the bad within yourself mm. and not not making making a judgment of well now you're a shitty person or now i'm a good person mm-hmm. like you just have to just well here's what it is yeah <laughs> maybe tomorrow i can be a little bit different yeah you said acceptance or something like that um or you referenced accepting something i can't remember exactly what you just said but accepting, accepting the parts yeah. of yourself whatever that's been like the number one, if I had to s- just give a one word for the most important lesson I've learned this thus far in my entire life, it's that, just acceptance. Yeah. Because so much of what's going on around us, like we feel like we need to control it. And I know you've said you've found that you can, you know, you have control over parts of your mind and stuff. And I, I understand what you mean, but for me, there's been this... uh realization over the past you know in really in 2012 i think is when it really hit me <laughs> funny enough what a coincidence yeah exactly <laughs> i think not <laughs> as i'm looking at aztec calendars <laughs> um but no it's this this idea of like um radical acceptance you know that if you are like fighting against something that's outside of you or even inside of you, a way that you feel that you're not in immediate control over, like Mm -hmm. if you can find a way to truly accept it, it's usually going to a take away like most of your suffering. There's still going to be pain, but there won't be as much suffering. It feels a lot better. Yeah. And then B, it usually seems like it, doesn't stick around as long, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, again, like I was saying before, of how I've learned to step back and just kind of watch my emotions happen. It's that same thing of disconnecting from it. You're still participating, you're still involved, but you you don't force it. If you force it, you can't 
you can't make it uh you can't shorten the duration you're most likely just going to lengthen sure yeah the whole experience yeah and when you just let it happen when you know that you don't have control over it and you can just let it happen it's you can take you can take a step back and just breathe it's probably very similar to like um you know floating in the water yeah like if you flail around trying to trying hard to float you're probably gonna sink if you just just yeah <laughs> lay back take a breath fill and, with air uh, i never um finished swimming lessons so that, <laughs> <laughs> that i feel like ex- that probably explains a lot i feel like i remember that <laughs> yeah i've never really been able to swim very well yeah i'm trying to remember uh the pool at my house growing up if you were ever in there <sighs> i don't think so if I was, I was probably by the side holding on to the edge. Yeah, staying in the shallow end. <laughs> <laughs> I can swim a little bit now, but I'm not confident in it. Like, I wouldn't jump out of a boat into a lake, you know, where I couldn't touch. Like, treading water, I that's my that's weakest your, yeah. point. I can float. Like, I can float <laughs> on my back. <laughs> I can do that. Um, but, yeah, disclaimer for basically everything I've said And tell me if you feel the same way. Is like, so when I kind of made all these big realizations about my anxiety and depression and really got to this place where I'm like, you know, I've grown this inner voice of truly being able to like trust myself to go through these types of things and come out the other side and know that I can like handle it and uh, just gain these insights and awareness it's easy to kind of feel like, oh, I've got it figured out now. Like, I'm good to go. (laughs) And then like a few years later or whatever, you start to realize like these things come back. And luckily, you can build like some sense of like not total fear that they're going to come back, hopefully. And, you know, you're not totally thrown off. But it's like, you know, I think what I've been realizing is that to try to think that we can like totally eradicate depression or anxiety or any difficult and challenging emotions and experience from our lives is like not very realistic. No, no. All you can do is give yourself the tools to be prepared when, when things take a, take a turn for the worst, (laughs) because we're always going to have things in life that are challenging. Mm -hmm. You know, the depression that I experienced as a teen was caused by a life event Mm -hmm. and I can't, I can't make the rest of my life easy. There's always going to be something. I'm going to have people that I care about die. I'm going to have, you know, disease in, you know, myself or family members or something. Like we can't, Mm -hmm. we can't prevent those things from happening. But when you, when you start doing that internal work of, you know, gratitude and focusing on the things that are within your control, Mm -hmm. it allows those things to, have a little less power. Mm. I mean, they still suck. All right. of these things still yeah, suck. And sure. I I was afraid for a really long time that my depression would come back at full force. You know, mm. that was my biggest fear was yeah. I'm going to make some progress and then go right back into it because that was my cycle for so long. But I've I've witnessed moments that easily could have turned into a depressive episode had I not had the tools that I have now. Mm-hmm. You know, if I would have followed those thoughts down I could have been there multiple times. Mm-hmm. So like I, 
I, I feel more and more confident as, as each day goes by that the work that I'm putting in is completely worth it and it, and it works. Yeah, and we, when you go through it um, sort of head on and, and go through all those processes internally, you gain this confidence and inner voice that can never be taken away. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm not trying to put down anybody that, you know, takes medicine or anything because I've, I've done it. Yeah, I've done uh, it. Multiple it's- times. But it's like I have no realized that, uh, you know, for me personally, that was something that I, um, it was kind of like this crutch for me or like this idea of like, well, if all else fails, like there's this question of like, should I take this stuff? If I don't, my depression is just going to keep getting worse. And, uh, it was more for me personally about the fear that there was some impending doom scenario. If I didn't do this thing outside of myself, that was going to like fix me. And once I went through it and sort of like internally gained the confidence and the techniques and all that, then it's like, well, it's all inside of me, you know? Yeah, like no matter what what perspective you have over depression, you know, a lot of people will think that it's just a chemical imbalance. Some mm-hmm. people will think that it's purely behavioral. Some people are right in the middle. And yep. I think... I think it is a combination of all the things like yeah. your, your behaviors can cause a chemical imbalance right? and antidepressants are, they are a solution, but I was, I was so stubborn. I like, there's this part of me that is really defiant. It's like, no, I can do it. Sure. <laughs> and like I, I wasn't able to take that option just because it caused even more internal conflict for mm. me. And you're right that when you when you are doing this without sort of a, a medical intervention, you do form more confidence in your in your sense of progress. Mm. Because, you know, when I was on antidepressants, I didn't know if I was actually better mm. or if the the pills were making me better. You know, it gives you this this weird sense of, do I have to be on this for the rest of my life? How exactly. do I know when I don't have to take this? And like for me, and I'm just speaking for anybody who can relate to this stuff, you know, it's not about demonizing no. medication or anything, but it's like, there are, I noticed there was obvious, it was obviously mental habits and patterns that were causing me to have panic attacks and anxiety Mm -hmm. and then the anxiety and the panic attacks were draining my life force which was leading to depression it was like this obvious cycle that was ingrained in my mind and of course there were various chemical imbalances i'm sure perpetuated by these thought patterns and and it's not like you can just say okay i i recognize it so now the thought pattern is going to switch it's just like in the winter it doesn't all of a sudden switch into summer, you know, like you There's have that to go through that season. Um, but knowing that you can like go down to the depths and you can make it back out and you watch that change slowly happen. Then you have that seed of knowing that when you descend into the winter, like the spring comes back, like it's a natural yeah, cycle. There's, there's proof that it's possible. And yeah, I don't, 
I don't claim to have any of the answers for this for other people. Okay. Like I can right. only I can only speak from my personal experience and I I 100% know that my depression was caused by a, a hard event mm-hmm. and was perpetuated by my mental behaviors. Yeah. And until I addressed those, I wasn't going to be free of it. And mm-hmm. I I haven't had a depressive episode in uh over probably almost two years now. I mean, like I have days where I can feel the the cycle shift. And like I said, I've I've witnessed moments where I could I could have easily gone into one of those episodes, but this has been the longest uh, sense of peace that I've had since the first time I was diagnosed with it. Hmm. And to me, that's like, yeah, let's just keep doing that. (laughs) I'm very glad to hear that. But I do have crippling anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it, it, you know, I think people tend to separate those things so much, but if you really, uh, I'm into this Dr. Claire Weeks, if you've ever heard. I have, yeah, I have one of the books that you recommended. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm obsessed with her work. And she calls depression depletion. Yeah, I really loved that that perspective. It makes so much sense. I, I, I identify with that so much because I, yeah, I felt like I had given everything that I could and I was left suddenly empty. Yeah, and your body and your mind are just begging you like, be still like yeah. leave me alone yeah <laughs> and that's what i needed yeah. <laughs> like my uh, when i quit my my last job and did art like the first year was really me allowing myself to just be mm-hmm. and it felt really uncomfortable because i did have a couple of weeks where i was reading like uh a pr- i read a prayer book i'm mm-hmm. not religious mm-hmm. and i i picked up this book from the library that was I think it was called How We Pray. And it was just going over the various prayer methods Hmm. and practices of all... That sounds cool. Religions, yeah, Yeah, it was really cool. So I I had that experience where I just let myself read this book. I'd wake up and I'd do yoga and then I would would actually start physically writing out my gratitude list. Mm. And I felt worthless. I felt like I should be doing something else. I felt like... I was failing everybody because why wasn't I working? Why wasn't I making? Why wasn't I making money? Why wasn't I doing what you know all the normal people who would, can function apparently? Right. <laughs> like why wasn't I doing that? And so it felt it felt really strange to just allow myself to, to truly rest. Yeah, we it, don't get the opportunity to no. do that. And uh, like, like our our culture doesn't. It's not set up for that. It's Mm-mm. not set up for for moments of of weakness or. Right. Like it's not set up for emotions or mental health. It's set up for efficiency. And so then depression becomes this thing that's like a diagnosis when it's like really... You just live with it. (laughs) Yeah, I think everybody experiences... If if people go through a life without experiencing one period of depression in their entire life, I'm suspicious. (laughs) Like what? What are you made of? It seems like it's a fundamental (laughs) part of being a human being. I mean, I think I don't I don't want to go so far as to say that depression is a fundamental part. I I will say that suffering suffering is a fundamental part of being a human because we for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not even debatable. Yeah, but, I would say. But yeah, I mean, I guess it depends how you want to define depression. Yeah, but I just mean like yeah. a deep sadness to the point where you feel like you question whether there's a reason to live. Yeah, I yeah. feel like. I mean, 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there are people, <laughs> but I would imagine that if people were really honest, almost everybody would say there's times in their life where they questioned the idea of being alive. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think it's it's interesting. It's interesting to think that because I, I have I have had conversations with people who have not had that. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're yeah. out there. But, but it's I know might, what you mean. They though. might in the future though when they're if anything were to happen. Sixty and their yeah. parents die and this and that. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's got a different level to what like really hits them, but I don't know. I'm not trying to say that it's it's no big deal. But it's inevitable that But what I'm saying yeah. is or what I'm trying to say is like I just think there are so many like experiences, whether it's emotions or thoughts, even the thought about killing yourself. It's such a taboo thing that we shouldn't talk about and nobody should say it. Yeah. And we're all scared for each other and we're worried and everybody wants to take it seriously. And I understand that and I respect it. But also like for me, what's been much more valuable is to know that other people have these thoughts and these feelings and that we're all in it together and that we can talk about it and that we can, that it's not something that we need to repress because we're afraid that somebody thinks, you know, we're going down some dark path or like any of these, you know what I mean? Just that, I don't know. There's something so freeing about being able to, to be honest and be open about the fact that we all in some way or another feel some sort of inner turmoil yeah. In life, you know. I think I think that is really important because <clears throat> especially with how our culture is shifting now of, you know, toxic masculinity and mm. the idea that you know, men aren't supposed to feel mm. sad or to display emotions the same way that women are expected to feel, you know, mm. like I if I'm emotional, like that's you know, maybe it's my time of the month. Maybe sure. it's, you know, yeah. something else. But I'm I'm allowed to feel that way and and you know, cry and like, oh, that's just that's just because I'm a woman. But then with, with men there's a different expectation and Definitely. I think it falls into that same thing of you know, we don't talk about being vulnerable and talk about the struggles that we've we've been through and we should. I'm so glad that there's more awareness with mental health and we're mm-hmm. trying to reduce the stigma because you're right that a lot of us will go to dark places mm-hmm. and will ex- experience varying degrees of of suffering. Yeah. And we have to be able to talk about that and create a safe place where we don't feel other when we share it. For sure. And you know, I know one of my struggles with being depressed and being anxious is that I tend to I tend to word vomit on people and overshare <laughs> because I'm like, "Hey, I'm a weirdo." Yeah. Accept me for who I am and I have encountered people who are like, no, no, I'm not going to accept that. No, no, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. This isn't, this isn't good. You're not healthy. Don't do that. And then I remember that feeling of being like, oh, oh shit. (laughs) Like, I'm not okay. This isn't good. Oh. And like, it just creates this like intensified conflict within yourself because you, you then are afraid to share things with people because you want to control how they feel about you. You mm. don't want to be viewed as other. Yeah, you want to be accepted and and uh, considered part of the, you know, you, you want to be in the community. You need yeah. that sense of belonging. So. so, yeah, it is important to talk about these things. And I, uh, you know, I do that with the the context of my art. Like I do share some of these stories. I have shared yeah. my, my depression and my anxiety with people. 
I choose to do the positive spin and uh, the comical spin for my anxiety because sometimes it is really funny when I can be like, hey, guess how I thought I was going to die today? <laughs> right. No, <laughs> like, I think it's great. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's just, I, I love that in general because I think, um, I don't know. I've had a couple experiences where it's not always easy to hold this perspective, but where I've had a very specific feeling that like life is meant to be more funny than we make it out to be. I like that. You know, like we want to take everything so seriously all the time. And I just can't do that. Like, I, I think the way that I present myself to people, I can't take myself too seriously. It feels <laughs> so weird. Like I set myself up for more awkward things when I try to be composed. Serious, yeah. Because it just, it, oh, it feels so strange. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like putting me in high heels and making me like hold a correct posture for a while. It just... <laughs> like no can i like cross my legs and like i just you know like right now i'm sitting on the chair with my legs up that's what what feels right to me (laughs) i can't take myself and you have purple hair yeah yeah nobody who takes themselves seriously puts purple in their hair no (laughs) (laughs) like it is pretty much a banner that says i'm weird talk to me (laughs) well shit it's been a good conversation yeah We've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> I mean, people can obviously find you and follow you on Instagram. Yeah, I'm and around. you have a cool blog. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I write some things. I've been writing more things. Those are like your main two kind of things, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can find me on Facebook. I'm not really there that often because, sure. you know, it's the wrong platform. I just got onto TikTok, which has been an interesting discovery. Yeah, <laughs> what's that like? Uh, it's... I mean, I know what it is. Yeah, it's a it's a whole different it's a whole different vibe. What so, kind of stuff do you do on there? It's my same time lapse videos. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's not anything. You're not like mouthing the words. No, weird no, songs I'm not. <laughs> no, not no, I'm yet. S- I'm sticking to my brand for now. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. No, I don't think anybody will ever see me doing that <laughs> unless I'm like, drunk. <laughs> I mean, it could be that could be your next step. In, stepping out there no there's i'm way too shy for that you are the only person that like you have a recording of me singing oh yeah yeah what was it i i wrote i wrote a song it was for like a my ninth grade english project or something and i wrote a song and you you did the music for it Damn, I totally forgot about this. I am so afraid. Like, I listened to it a few years ago. You still have it? I still have it. It's somewhere on my laptop. And I'm hoping it it never resurfaces. Like, I... Can I hear it? Maybe. Okay. Maybe I'll share it. Maybe we can put it in the outro. (laughs) Please, no. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I'm still going to control how people see me. But yeah, so social media, TikTok, Instagram. Cool. I'm floating around Reddit occasionally, Twitter. Nice. Sweet. Just search for Messy Ever After. All right. Well, thanks for coming over and doing this. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Another episode down. Awake, aware, alive. I am your host, Jacob Gossel. Thanks for joining me. Head over to patreon.com slash Jacob Gossel. And-
and become a patron. Also, share somebody's creations today on your Instagram or on your Facebook or send them to a friend. Just anybody. A painting, a poem, a song, a podcast. Or give somebody a random person five bucks.